Ladies and gentle people, I wish you a happy winter fall season. But if you're listening to this before I put it out or well after I put it out, I also wish you a happy summer spring season. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am titular host Nick. And today I have a guest on the podcast. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're feeling fine. We're all going back in uh, Canada. We're hiding in the house. Too many COVID cases. We're locking it down. So buckle up. It'll be okay. It's not going to last forever. Things are going to, as the great Bob Marley said, everything is going to be all right. And you know, we kind of smack talk that era of Bob Marley in this upcoming episode, but I love it. And I was too afraid to tell my guest that I did. But check out Catch a Fire, the album. Catch a Fire by the Bob Marley and the Whalers. It's a good one. Also, um, try listening to dub this winter. I thought I said it was going to be a winter of dub. And that hasn't materialized yet, and I, I don't actually know if it uh, will. But you, the listener, put on some dub reggae. Tell me how it hits you in the winter months, and uh, maybe give me some suggestions on albums, and then I'll listen to those albums. But I'll also try to do it myself, but I want you to kind of be the canary in the proverbial coal mine. So glad you're here listening. And I really hope you're not too worried and that you're not too worried. You can't access toilet paper or mouthwash or all the things people are trying to snap up in the frenzy. Don't worry about that. Focus on the family. Anyway, I feel for everybody here. It's a hard situation. How and ever, if you want to listen to dub reggae and tell me what you like of the dub reggae albums for me to listen to in the winter, please write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. That is W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. Today's show is not sponsored by anyone, but if it uh, were, I would love it if it were sponsored by The Sopranos, which is one of my favorite shows. Even Talking Sopranos with uh, Michael Imperioli and Steve Shrippa. I'd, I'd love to, if you guys want to have me on and talk about Pine Barrens, totally down. Totally down. Oh, God. What was I going to say? I feel like I had one last point to make, and that's just, uh, don't worry, be happy. Today's guest, yes, I'm finally getting to it, is a returning guest almost a year ago. I interviewed him in person in his apartment in New York City. His name's Dave Hill. I spent New Year's with him, sort of. No, that's not true. We, we went to a, a very nice bar called Tavern on Jane, one of Dave's favorite haunts, not to blow up his spot. And uh, we had a really nice time. And then he took us to a New Year's party that was also nice. So shout out to you, Dave Hill. Will this New Year's be spent with anyone else beyond our bubble? I don't know. My suspicion is no. So last year was one of my, was it's going to be a real treasured New Year. But this 
episode is also very treasured. It's super low key and chill, which tends to be a thing when Dave and I talk. It's really interesting. We just kind of like bounce the ping pong balls back and forth in a gentle manner. Uh, and I feel like we talk a lot about, you know, uh, music in this one. And what uh, we sort of list a lot of things, which is funny because at the very beginning I talk about how much, whether or not he's a list guy. I too am a list guy. I like to tell people things like what I ate. For instance, today I had a breakfast that, uh, of, um, I sliced up some um, uh, grapefruit and oranges. I put it in a bowl that had trail mix in it. And then I also put chia in there, which I soaked it in almond milk for a little bit. I grated some ginger in there, put some um, blackberries and cherries, which were frozen, but it counts. Again, the almond milk kind of changes the, the um, frozen to a, a cool, refreshing taste. Pomegranates was in there, hemp hearts, flax, cinnamon, turmeric, peanut butter. I think that's it. I had a glass of coffee with it. A glass of coffee. And uh, just now I had a bagel with uh, some butter. So that's what I ate. That's the list that's going to start this. If you love Dave Hill, follow him on Instagram. He's Dave Hill on Instagram. He's not on Twitter. Um, I think his podcast, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, is on Twitter. So follow that. Um, and buy his band with uh, Chris Reifert. Reifert? Reifert? I've never asked him. Of Autopsy, he's in a band called Painted Doll with uh, our buddy Chris, and uh, who is the singer-drummer in Autopsy. And they, and they are really good Painted Doll. I'm not kidding. They're doing some some cool shit. So their newest album is called How to Draw Fire, and you can find it online. And uh, check out his band Valley Lodge. Read his books. He's a comedy album. You know the deal with Dave Hill. And here's my talk with the aforementioned Dave Hill. Oh, is, this the, is there a video component to this? It doesn't have to be. It's like we. I mean, do you release the video? Only if you would want me to. If you don't like the angle or you don't like the way you look, we don't. I'll get. I'll just sit at a better angle. Yeah. Um, unless, I, unless rather than have it just be, uh, you know, beneath me, which is a, you know, anyone will tell you, it's not a glamorous angle to have no. a, a camera right beneath your throat. No. Even the hottest supermodels can't pull that off. Yeah, I should look that up. Supermodels at bad angles. Oh, don't even. You know, I'm very bad at releasing the video component. Like I always want to, and then and I have a don't. humongous backlog. I need a shower too. Me too. Which is another awesome thing about being here. Is like, do I need a shower? Yeah. Fuck it. No, I'm. I, it's more like shaving. Like I, I did shower yesterday. I've been sh- I've been showering daily. I think. But uh, shaving, it's gone. Uh, Done. Yeah, I have an electric razor that's really good, and I just kind of ah. hack at my face a little. You have a good a good electric razor. That's cool. Yeah, it's quite good. 
I've never even heard of like a good electric razor. I thought they were always just kind of like, you know, something that uh, traveling salesmen did. In the no, morning. this kid. I have a I have a really good electric razor. I mean, I probably compromised it by poor maintenance, but mm-hmm. at its peak, the peak of its powers, you would could shave with it and not feel like you needed to use a proper razor to finish the job. That's amazing. Do you want to oh, plug, say, plug it? Do you want to plug it? I just know it's blue. That's all I know. Okay, so if any of my listeners uh, see a blue electric razor, pick it up, no matter the price. Yeah. You know, but not on Amazon, am I right? Yeah, go to the, you know, the mom and pop razor shop in your town. Do you think it would be weird if, like, there was a uh, online seller called Epstein.com and it was uh, really cheap stuff. Didn't have anything to do with Jeffrey Epstein, but it was called that. Like, would you, would that be a Oh, like you? you're saying, you're asking me whether I think the name Epstein is sullied. Yes. For all of time. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't think it's that. I think it'll be okay. I think the name Trump <laughs> is definitely but that's not a real name anyway so i'd probably not a lot of people with that name i would think because i think like his grandfather made up that name yeah know? yeah it definitely is not a name i've heard outside of that context you know like we have bill uh, there's like millionaire types billionaire type families where you'll meet someone with that last name and they'll be like no i'm not it's just the last name and I'll be yeah. honest with you, most of the time I think they're lying just so you don't care that they, like they don't, you don't think of them as a, you know, a little yeah. bit of family. But on the other hand, I think it's true. Like Rothschild, right, not everyone named Rothschild is a Rothschild probably. No, no, they should be though. Yeah. Grandfathered or something in. Something in <laughs> twenty one and me, twenty three and me. Yeah, in. fuck it. Hill, you know, you could, you could probably find some rich people to include you in the family. Maybe who? Lauren Hill. She's probably doing quite well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? Who else is named that? Dave uh, Hill. Dave Hill from Slade is probably. Okay. I'm guessing he has some money socked away. That's I feel. Something. Yeah, like they've got hockey arena songs. Aren't you okay with uh, hockey arena song? I don't know, really. I don't know how much of that really. I had I had a ma- I had an idea that I was gonna like uh, get a hockey arena song. I actually sent a song. I don't even want to say what song. Because uh, I was like, I want to try to get them to play this at hockey arenas. Um. And see what happens. See and? if it like changes my. I think one team wrote back like, "Hey, thanks. We'll we'll throw it in the hopper." <laughs> uh, the hopper. Yeah, because basically, you know, because Gary Glitter, rock and roll number two, everyone stopped. That was like the stadium anthem, right. the arena anthem, and then they stopped. Everyone stopped using it because he's a kid fucker. Mm-hmm. He's not not a good guy. Yeah, so the Rangers at least have some like generic thing with that beat. But my band Valley Lodge having nothing to do with 
anything I've just said uh, has a handful of songs with that beat because that's like 70s glam beat, which yeah, is yeah. my thing. I love it. Yeah, so, paint, uh, Painted Doll has that going on too. We did one... S- I think we did do one song that way. Yeah, we did. Uh, I like that 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 beat, you know, and it's like a beat, you know, like T Rex used it in many songs. Yeah, T Rex, Slade, uh, Sweet didn't really use that beat so much, but they are part of that framework somehow. Yeah, totally, and that's you know? that's totally my that and like. 70s power pop are like my two you know well all sorts of things but those are yeah very and when you're talking about my heart power pop do you mean like say nick Lowe? um yeah big star yeah uh what's that guy's name the nerves you ever heard the The nerves nerves? yeah i dig the nerves yeah um it's uh you know i was into i'm into that power pop stuff a lot but then sometimes i uh when there was sort of a power pop resurgence in the 2000s i got weird about it a bit like i liked it but i thought sometimes like the fashion of it was kind of strange that it was being who, revived like not the glam fashion who are you referring to um, I guess it was just like about? there were a lot of bands from Vancouver that were like that because a lot of that music oh. actually in the 70s and 80s there was this kind of like the pointed sticks were kind of something like that. That's a uh, band? Yeah, they're a good band from Vancouver from the early 80s that were pretty power pop. And uh, then from Portland, uh, you know, one of the main bands I remember of that era uh, I think they were power pop. It was uh, the Exploding Hearts, who, of course, had a very uh, sad kind of story. But they they had uh, this album called Guitar Romantic that was... Uh, what was the sad story? Oh, it's horrible. They played uh, Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Drove back to Portland late at night and uh, got in a car crash. And, like, I think three, three quarters of the band... Uh, died in the car crash oh so shit it was just well awful. how far of a drive that would be a schlep though Wouldn't it's it? a schlep but it's like one of those schleps that you know because it's just close enough yeah you say well let's save money on a hotel yeah or we need um, to get back for this you know and there's four of us so like we can swap out driving and you know never a good idea no overnights are horrible especially in a van you know yeah, if, unless you're like an hour away. Yeah. Hour and a half, maybe. But other than that, it's just like you play a show. I was in a band where the main guy whose band it was would want to drive home from the last show immediately, no matter where we right. were. Like right after you played, too? No. Okay. But he would want to like, we're not going to stay over. We're going to go home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, like it, a, a like a long ass drive, like, you know, eight hour, 10 hour drive. Yeah. And uh, we always made it, but it was always just kind of like, uh, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely had that. Uh, we've had, Brutal Nights were uh, definitely if we were playing 
in Ontario sort of satellite uh, uh, areas of not satellite of Toronto, but places that were say like two hours out, like we were always driving back and, and uh, like London, Ontario is a great example of the just far away enough to suck uh, drive yeah. back where it was like, yeah, like two hours, two fifteen. Were you playing a call of the office? Yes. Generally, we'd play there. I played called the office. Yeah, I liked London, Ontario. I think I was there maybe just once, but mm. I remember liking it, and uh, I had some good food, some, maybe Chinese food, and uh, that was when I first learned about Canadian cigarettes and the cool. This was a simpler time when I would indulge in the cigarette. Mm. Yes, yeah, never a regular, never a habitual smoker, but uh, I was a rocker smoker where like I would smoke one, one or two cigarettes while on tour every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after and, the uh, show, talking to yeah, people, yeah, partying, rocking. Hey, man, how do you use your fingers like that? Well, yeah. just watch. And then you'd like smoke, but you'd do an example of your finger. Yeah, and I go, well, one sec. Yeah, but I always thought that was cool. I don't think the, the Canadian cigarettes aren't like that anymore, that, like, have that sliding. It's oh. like a big pack of cigarettes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like yeah. 20 like, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big one, like the one, the 24-pack or something, you'd, yeah, like, slide it to the side or something. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool. Oh, my God. It, it just it, it made it so much more romantic. It had like a rocket design of some type, if I recall. Or it's like a sort of almost future design. Like, oh, I wow. can't remember, but I just remember being impressed by it and glad it was happening. I was too young to, to, to rock with those. But, yes, I, I do recall. Yeah, and, you and would have been a baby. pretty young thing, probably. Too I young. I was very pretty, very young. And yeah. in a lot of ways, I was just a thing, unmolded. Yeah unmolded not moldy now i'm a bit moldy and that's painful yeah you know what's the best thing about aging dave you get moldy (laughs) yeah and it's good for gut health right oh totally yeah i've had i was just thinking about that today i was like i wonder i might be past the point where i'll ever look I even have a shot at really looking particularly good shirtless. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe those those years maybe have passed me. You know, passed me by. Maybe I, I think that that's not true. I think that you know you've got to look at the great rockers and how late they went shirtless. Keep it going, yeah. How late did Joe Perry of uh, Aerosmith go shirtless? When do you think it was? Because I feel he had a shirt. Probably period. easily into his fifties, I would think. Yeah, you can do it. I would think so. I mean, he's probably pretty, I think he's pretty ripped to this day. Slash? Slash. I don't think he's doing it anymore, but you know. There is a time. He's probably doing it for quite a while. Hetfield? Yes, Hetfield, yeah. I don't think he would do it today, but, uh, you know. Did you ever see him? Oh, go on. uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm always amazed, like a guy like Slash. You know, a lot of uh, substance use and things still manage to stay in shape. Like, how do you use right. heroin and t- keep a nice, uh, have nice abs? Like, Good you question. wake up from it 
and you do push-ups and stuff, like you get your mind right. I, I wonder if that is a little bit of a, some part of addiction where like after not so much alcoholism, because I think that that's like a whole other thing, but where you kind of like have a ritual after you've done it, like I'll get up, I'll drink a big bowl. I'll, I'll drink a lot of water and then I'll do some push-ups and squats. Yeah. Do some, uh, also if they're doing cocaine on any level, <laughs> I feel like that might add to like the mania of, you know, of working out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's hard to say. Like, um, I read, uh, Duff McKagan's book called It's So Easy and other reference to the song yes and um, it uh, he talks about uh, that he and Slash like at their hardest partying would still like go to the gym together (laughs) (laughs) yeah like like, good for you Motley Crue are a great example of that. Like, th- I think they were always like, yeah, they used for to Vince stay. Neil. Yeah, not anymore. Vince Neil is, uh, he definitely uh, is in full good time mode. I mean, I think it's been not that skipping way for any a while. Meals. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, yeah. He's, he was always the sort of um, one of those lead singers who's like, unsexiness basically had to be compensated by the sexiness of like, you know, not Mick Mars necessarily for most women, but probably oh, not Mick Mars at all. One might say, <laughs> I have to say though, I've met Mick Mars and I found him to be a delight. I, in retrospect, I probably enjoyed the Mick Mars chapters of the dirt, like the most, just because they were just all about chronic pain. And whereas yeah. the other ones were about like self-medicating without much description of why, <laughs> like yeah. having chronic pain or why they were doing this, you know, whereas yeah. Mars was like, I could not move my muscles. I could not move my, my bones were hurting when I would play. I, that's, I was rigid. I'm at all times. Yeah. I, I read that book. I don't remember. Like, I didn't think it was that like, cause I read so many of those books. I read like every rock book that's so cool or many many even even like artists i don't not particularly into i'll read the book anyway because mm-hmm. i i just love rock and roll uh yeah. information well and also finding out how everything kind of links together you know you'll hear yeah your, yeah you know, whether it's but, labels or or engineers producers like the you know so spaces I, I read uh I read The Dirt when, like, you know, years ago, and everyone was just raving about, like, have you read The Dirt? Yeah. And I was like, thing. I was like, yeah, it was okay. I didn't think it was that good, really. And I've read enough to tell you 10 others that are way better. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't... 20. Yeah, probably 20. I hadn't read much along those lines like i'd never read hammer of the gods about led zeppelin which i think is probably a much like probably just destroys the tales in the dirt and uh, yeah but it's that's not written by the band though i'm talking about ones that are written by the artist ostensibly. Oh, so like what would an example be scar tissue by scar uh, tissue which i have not read i have read the heroin scar tissue no i think i want to 
Uh, I've read Scar Tissue. I've read Tommy Land. I've read Hit Hard by Joey Kramer of Aerosmith. Oh wow, that's a that's really some. I read. Uh, I meant to read Joe Perry's book. I haven't read it yet, but I've read. I read Slash's book. I read two of Duff McKagan's books. I read. I mean, I read. You know, I read Bob Mould's book. I read. Um, I just read Rob Halford from Judas Priest's book. Keith oh, Richards, that? of course. That book's really good. I read K.K. Downing from Judas Priest's books. Keith Richards' book is the best one by leaps and bounds, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely read that one and uh, it was, did not feel like most rock books I've read just because partly because of the era, like reading about growing up in post wartime England. Um, and then kind of, that's the jump off point for so many strange directions and diversions and, and characters and oh know. yeah but i mean that that is the book that whole thing like post world war Two is like virtually every every english rocker book it's like starts, it starts with that is be like uh, yeah it's just like they grew up in a council estate and like they never had any money and blah, blah, blah. Like every single one of them you read, it's basically like, all right, so I got to get through 70 pages of this thing that I read at the <laughs> beginning of literally every, <laughs> every single book by a British rocker, like whether it be Pete Townsend, Ray Davies, uh, you know, Cat Iommi, every, every, literally every one of them starts off like yeah. mom and dad, we didn't have much, but, uh, you know. Right. I never thought of that. That's actually a very good point. I think every, that's, every I haven't read one. those books the, that you're talking Elvis about. Elvis Costello's book, the same thing. Actually, I need to get back and finish Elvis Costello's book, which I I really enjoyed it. And then I ended up putting it down because, like, usually my complaint with any biography, autobiography is that it skimps on details and it's just like kind of very, uh, just doesn't go deep enough. Right. Like, like what is it called? Born Standing Up, Steve Martin's book. Not a rocker book, but close. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's like he doesn't, it's not too revealing, I didn't think. I didn't think like he really oh, gave, yeah. gave that gave up that much he's very closed i mean he has one sentence about his father and yet the thing whatever went on with his father was he has like that sentence where he's like when my father died i didn't really feel anything and you're like wait <laughs> can, why what's the deal here you know and it's like yeah and it, it it's like in retrospect one of the only things i remember of that book is um when he's like talking about Johnny Carson being like, you got to use everything you got. Yeah. Then, you know? Yeah. But it was just like, yeah, I don't know. I thought that book was like about 50% there. Yeah. Um, maybe that's, maybe I'm being harsh. I did enjoy it. I should say. But I, read I, it I was in the night. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I want, I want way more. And then, uh, the Jeff Tweedy book was really good, I thought. 
I read that. Uh, anyway, I forget what we were talking about. No, I'm rocker books. I'm kind of enjoying if like the bulk of this podcast. I'm just going right down the line. Are you a list guy? Like, are you the kind of guy someone will? I have a feeling from your Instagram that this is true, but where you would you would happily report everything you ate in a day if you could to someone. Oh, totally. I'm like that too. Yeah, I I was telling uh, my girlfriend yesterday. I was like. So uh, I went to the city and I got some um, bagels to bring back. And uh, I've got a laptop stand now that I can use here. And she was just mm-hmm. like, stop. <laughs> it's not important to me. Yeah, but I yeah, love like, doing that shit. I, do, I did what's it called? Grub Street, I think, in the New York Magazine. I think that's what it's called. Where you they get different people to like talk about what they ate for a week, I think, or a few days. I can't remember. And it was, I did it like when my first book came out and I was doing particularly debauched time in my life for me anyway, I should say Mm -hmm. like uh, really I was just eating like whatever I felt like and drinking a lot of beer. That's Mm -hmm. about as, as debauched as I've ever been. And like people read the comments were like, he's going to die if he keeps, <laughs> you know, he literally it doesn't seem to give any consideration to his health. And then I felt really bad because I tried to write about all places that I like to support. Mm-hmm. And then um, one of my restaurants that I go to all the time, I just happened to not go to that week. So I didn't include them, and I it, it haunts me to this day. Did you ever get blowback from them? Like they took your picture? No, no, I didn't. But I felt bad about it. But then also, like on the flip side, this coffee shop that I go to or used to go to because they they've gone out of business now. I went there, and this couple walked in, and they're like, "Dave Hill." We came here because you talked about this place in the, that interview. <laughs> like, well, welcome. Hello. That's great. <laughs> I love that. That means you, you made a difference in the world. I really, yeah. I changed the course of someone's coffee drinking, at least well, that I mean, day. The, the business has an extra $12 now. Exactly. And Lord knows they need it, especially now that they're out of business. Yeah. Could have been make or break. I don't know. Well, it sounds Life. like a break. No, yeah, life is bullshit. No. No, no, life is great. Life yes. Is great. Life is great. Yeah. Yes, life yes. is great. This is what we know. Tell me about the Painted Doll album that came out this year. What is it called? It's called called How to Draw Fire, and Painted Doll is my band with my friend Chris Reifert, who is your friend also now. Mm, yeah. What you so you you're back you're backing away from that you guys no not at all I I just got wistful thinking about how it's been a while since we've traded animal uh tech picture text oh uh, oh you text got, me photos of of uh, oh raccoons and stuff yeah 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 that's that's like how we stay in touch basically he literally just texted me photos of raccoons yesterday yeah it's about because outside of his house raccoons gather and he and his wife feed the raccoons and they'll get like, he's like says there's different families of them that come around and they behave differently. 
and uh yeah we yeah totally um that's so cool yeah he'll he he'll he was sending me raccoon pics as well and i'd i think i'd mostly just send him pictures of like domestic animals hey man you're doing your part hey. you know all animals are adorable so no but yeah it's how to draw fire it's our second album and i like it and he likes it and i People seem to really like it. It's a shame uh, that we can't tour or anything like that uh, right now. And have you toured Because of the plague. Because of the plague. Have we toured before? Yeah. Minimally. I mean, it's not like we're like, oh, we were such road dogs. I think we've played only like... Uh, one, two, less under 10 shows ever. That's so, hot. That's cool, man. We we uh we made the record. Edition. Well, it's because everyone lives in a different state in the band. It's mm-hmm. me and Chris and I are the band basically, but our friends Tom Bourgeois and Erica Osterhout play with us live, and they and they play a little bit on this new record. But everyone lives in a different state, so the first record we they. Tom and Erica had never even met each other until like three days before our first show. And we played our first show. And I think within like two, two days later, we were opening for monster magnet. Uh, I mean, it was all right. stuff that had been scheduled. But Talk about being grandfathered in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We just kind of moved very fast from like, we played our first show in a bar in Brooklyn Hanks, which is closed now. Oh gosh. And then we opened for monster magnet at Music Hall Williamsburg like two nights later. Yeah, wild. Wild. Wild stuff. Band life is wild. And Oh, yeah. Did you record pre-pandemic? Yeah, we recorded the album We pretty much like the summer before this past summer. And then it came out September 25th. We tend to record and then it, 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 sits on the shelf for like about a year and then it comes out and and you did the uh cover art right i did i did the cover art for both both of our albums uh what have you done like artwork for of your own things of my own things yeah i do i did the painted doll i do all the painted doll stuff mm-hmm. mostly though our friend joe tate did one of the t-shirts we've had and then um, did the Valley Lodge? The I do all the Valley Lodge artwork, but I drew the most recent cover. Um, actually, no, I take that back. I took, I did drew the most recent cover, did the photograph of the album before that, and then the first two albums were photographs. First album was actually a photograph photograph by Mike Watt, and then the That's next cool. one was my friend Carolyn Minostra. How do you know Mike Watt? Mike Watt, uh, Mike Watt of the Minutemen, Mike Watt of the Stooges reunion. Yes, exactly. Mike Watt of Firehose. Exactly. Uh, we, when I was in Cobra Verde, we toured with him a couple times. When I was in the band, I think they did again. When I was not in the band, and and then he played bass in Jay Mascus in the Fog, and we toured with Jay as well. Oh yeah, Jay so, Mascus in the Fog. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I liked it when people there was there were all those grunge side projects touring. There was hovercraft. 
Jay Maskus in the fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jay Maskus in the fog was just Jay Maskus, and I'm sick of uh, my bandmates. Maybe right. Zwan. Maybe maybe not though. Because Zwan. Zwan. I really like that Zwan record. I, I should go really- back to it. I've I've become a late in the game Smashing Pumpkins fan. So uh, the Zwan record had a number of really good so- songs on it in my opinion. I really enjoy the Painted Doll album by the way. Both of them. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, me uh, too. I listened to the the most recent one. I listened I went for a, a run in the woods a couple weeks ago and I listened to it. Brag. I'm not above listening like that's to such my a own bands. Triple brag. I was running it kind of in is, the woods. Yeah. And I was listening to, to my, my band's album that I liked. I know, really. What Triple a fucking... brag. I know, you would think I sound like maybe I'm more confident than I really am. But well, I'm you not. deserve to be. You do all sorts of crazy stuff. That's why I was asking about the, the painting, the drawing. I mean, you could do that too. When did How, how did that happen? When did you start drawing? Oh, the drawing. Were you, were you thought... like listening to Power Pop while dry, drawing? And then you'd turn around to your guitar and then practice. And then you'd be like, time to structure some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I always used to draw. That was like the first thing I ever, you know, when I was a kid, I would always do that. And I wanted to be like a, an artist, a, you know, visual artist. Phil Hartman style. Yeah. Pardon? Phil Hartman style. Yeah, that's what I wanted to. Phil Hartman, Keith Richards, uh, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> no, Phil Hartman used to design album covers, right? Oh, yeah, he did. In the yeah. 1970s. He did some like really well-known album covers. Yeah, like- he did, yeah. <laughs> um, but I always did that, and then I wanted to do that, and then I got kind of distracted and started playing in bands, and then didn't really do a lot of artwork for a long time. No, no, wait, then I, no, I did. And then I got away from it. And then during the pandemic, uh, one day I was just like, I'm going to do some artwork. And then I've been having fun doing it. And it's been sort of a nice thing because uh, I, artwork in terms of like painting and stuff. I mean, I've been drawing more the last few years doing like album covers and t-shirts and things, but. I was like, I started doing it and I didn't want to sell any of it because like I was just having fun doing it. And I was like, oh, I'll just have this. We'll just have this line around the house. And then I was posting and then people were asking about buying it. And then I was reluctantly, I was like, I'll try selling something and it sold. And then I, I think I sold, I don't know how many things, six or seven things now. And, but it makes me go like, oh, Maybe I could do this when I'm like 75. Oh, that'd be great. And I, you know, and I need money to go buy a muffin. Yeah, yeah. You need to, and you need money to to buy the gas for your motor chair to go get the muffin. Yeah, so you exactly. Have to a little bit more than just the muffin money, because at that time, none of us will be mobile. I feel like we'll have a great, a, a great knee weakening that's the next i hope not i hope i don't decline i hope i just like get hit by a bullet or 
a meteor or something or shot train something um you hope you get hit by the train bug like the band train you start really getting into it and then you die because it turns out they're they're toxic Oh, were those shots fired at train? You did shots you just took fired a shot. at train. No, no, no. Train are cool. I bet they're probably nice. They've been on Howard Stern. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He loves Drops of Jupiter. He's got oh. some of the strangest music taste you could ever find. Tell me. I feel like Drops of Jupiter is like a song that someone is who is not really into music would like. Yeah, and and you know from, that's a mean thing to say because I, you know, for what it is, I think it's very good. It's not my thing, but but I feel like that's yeah, it's the kind of mean because it's like I feel like Train. Not uh, it sounds negative, but I feel like they're a band that's not like for people that really do deep dives with music. Yeah, I think that that's fair to i don't know if it's fair to say but i mean i think that there's a lot of music that exists in that pocket where it's just people who are like bands that are like okay we've got something pretty simple for you here you go and then people are like cool i get it this this is cool it's catchy yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna run a few errands and listen to the new train record i mean to me that era was uh you know there was this period of time where i worked at a in the summer at like this place Harborfront by the water, just really close to where I am right now, actually. I was selling ice cream and then later I was doing dishes and I was also preparing hot dogs and hamburgers next to a concert, an outdoor concert area where I saw the great blues singer Sun Seals. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Uh, he, there, there, that was the year, the, like the two-year period where Top 40 was all like – Fastball, the way, closing time, sex, oh, yeah. better than Ezra, um, do, 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 semi charmed life, um, all just bangers. Well, all kind of stuff for people who are like, okay, like I don't really need to learn about the history of music right now because this shit's catchy, <laughs> you know? And, oh yeah. Do, do, do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could hum every one of those songs by the, yeah. you know, um, you know. But like, to, and then for me, the one that's a total guilty pleasure because I actually hadn't heard the original song was, and this is obviously not the same kind of music because these guys got chops, and, and well, all those bands have chops, but uh, Pearl Jam at that time released their cover of Last Kiss. Oh, oh, welcome, oh, baby. Be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lord took her away from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's going to have a Oh, yeah. So I can see my baby when I leave this world. We couldn't get enough of it. We loved it. I mean, picture me in a sleeveless, slinging hot dogs. 18, oh, yeah. 18 years old, prime of my ripped, ripped, uh, you know, one eyebrow. Plucking, yeah. Oh, what I wouldn't so give far from a, one, one eyebrow still. Do you feel like your eyebrows are not what you want them to be? Oh, uh, they're not. No, they're not bringing the heat that they once did. Oh, you used to have some like serious eyebrow action. Like this is part of the devil de-evolution. 
Yeah, I feel like my eyebrows have not really, you know, I've kept it all on top, but I've lost a bit in the brow department as the years go by. But I think that's com- That's like when you see on TV shows, sometimes when they do a flashback, mm-hmm. they give all the characters thicker eyebrows. I never noticed that. That's amazing. Oh, well, I should <laughs> say that I make it. It's a thing. No, but they did it on uh, Better Call Saul. Ah. They, they did a throwback in like Bob Oden- Odenkirk and all the characters had much thicker eyebrows in the throwback. And I think it was like, cause a lot of people, their eyebrows get thinner as they get older. Oh God. True fact. Will that happen to me? I don't. I don't think so. I get a lot of eyebrow. Yeah. I feel like you'll be hanging on to those. Hey, 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 hope you're enjoying my talk with uh, Dave Hill. One of my favorite guys, real funny dude, real renaissance man this is the part of the podcast where i say to you hey feel like supporting me here's the deal i'm here on toronto island in an arts residency and it's kicking ass i'm here for a month i'm on a great roll getting podcasts out doing stuff working and Part of why I like to ask people um, if they want to support me is just so I can sustain this. And if you guys do like a one-time kind of donation payment, ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan or patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan, which is monthly. You can also go monthly on Ko-fi. You will have access to special posts and contents and episodes and uh, the theme song I did with Robin Hatch the improvised theme song and lots of other stuff and you will help me just have an easier time getting this podcast out and Andy, Andy Lloyd the producer of this damn thing he needs this too he's got mouth to feed so you'd be supporting me, you'd be supporting Andy really helps and that's what I just wanted to say ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan your support is very appreciated but of course I understand these are difficult times so if you still say oh I'd like to help but I don't really pay well just make sure you subscribe to the podcast spread the word about it that would really help review it on the Apple thing rated on the apple thing that is awesome or just write me and say oh keep it up this guy jpq on uh on my twitter he was like hey i'm really loving it i'm really loving your solo episodes i was like that's awesome thank you i needed that so you know moral support's also welcome but financial support is welcome as well kofi.com slash Anyway, here's my interview with Dave. Thank you for listening to this message. Back to our regularly scheduled podcast. So when you were growing up, was it the power pop stuff that was coming out? Like, was that what you were into? Or was it a bit later on? I think I I always liked melody, no matter what it is. 
you know, I've kind of always been into all kinds of me. I mean, everyone says that, but I'm, I'm serious, uh, <laughs> into all kinds of music. So, but whatever it was like, you know, the reason that some, so many, you know, the reason like a band, like, uh, you know, even in, in more aggressive or heavy music, I think the re the bands that are great always have like a, a capacity for melody that they're the lesser bands don't have like you know in hardcore or whatever like bad brains i think what was so good about them they had these hooks that were amazing well the hooks are so important in hardcore like everything that i like in hardcore unless it's sort of something very niche like maybe infest or you know something like grind crust doesn't always have a lot of time when you boil it down, there is a hook, but you know, Cox bar practically power pop for their shock troops album, you know? Yeah. You got to have the hooks, man. I mean, it's like New York hardcore. I didn't really get into that until victim um, in pain, baby. Wait, what record is that? Agnostic front. Oh yeah. No. See, I like, I'm not really like for me, the only, New York hardcore band today that I listen to and I find it compelling is Gorilla Biscuits because it's the hooks are so strong. I've never listened to Gorilla Biscuits. I've been oh, that was that was like I identified them then as the best band and I identify them today because like and and you know back when I was a teenager I'd be like oh this band's cool and like I've since not to name the bands but you know a lot of these bands are playing again or never broke up in the first place. And I've seen some of them just been like, Oh my God, this is on. You can't. Right. Did not age well. And you're just kind of like, now these guys are still playing these fucking songs, you know, about these Bro topics. That, brotherhood. You know, yeah. And it's like, well, you guys are in your fifties and you live in New Jersey now. So I'm not really buying this. <laughs> um, but when you see gorilla biscuits to, you know, even today, like, uh, you know, the songs are just so good. I think that it still works. Yeah. I mean, I, I am with, with New York hardcore. It's like, I know, you know, some like Cro-Mags and agnostic front, but Cro-Mags like the age of my whole thing is like a lot of these bands have like one album and a lot of the time one, you know, demo version of the album that sounds better than anything else they've done. Like Age of Quarrel have that record, or sorry, Cormags have that record before the Quarrel and it's Age of Quarrel, but it just sounds awesome, you know? And like, mm -hmm. that's the Cromags that I like. Not that I would necessarily go back to, and I've actually seen the Cromags in a very small or version of the Cromags because that's all contested. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, in a very small venue in Toronto and it was pretty goddamn awesome even though he, and another band that the hooks, the reason they're so good is because a lot of their songs have amazing hooks is Poison Idea. Oh yeah. I really like Poison Idea. I feel like Poison Idea sounds like a bar fight. Yeah, no, it's like perfect. you just hear their music and you're like, this sounds like a fight is about to happen or yeah. is happening. Got to get away. is just like the craziest song. You know, that one quit my job. Told my girl to step aside. You know, um, you know, yeah, in the moment, um, just to, or or you know, people sometimes bands just what's the record? To, I'm sorry, well, they black, have what's it, black feel the dark, blackout vacant, 
Oh, What's I don't know it? that. There's I know feel the, the again. Now I gotta Google this, make sure I'm getting it right. But um um yeah, I dig them. Uh they uh doing it right. Um okay, just so I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. Yeah, bl blank blackout vacant that was um But I'm gonna yeah, have to no. listen to it. But that guy, Pig Champion, was like such a stellar guitarist that again, it's like it just pushes things. Anytime you have someone of like with that kind of like vision external of their like their instrument is like their command of it is so good that like melody is inherent and it's like you know the hooks are in the riffs. You know, it's like yeah. you can do a lot more. Um, but that's yeah, the the hooks in like. The Zero Boys, I'm crazy for them because of their hooks, you know. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I've listened to them. Oh my God, check out that song, "Living in the '80s." Sometime, it's a good one. It's a hot track. Right, Teenage Head, it. great hook. Ah, oh, I'm just in love with it. I mean, melody is, it, it, it's. Uh, but then I, I also get interested in people kind of go the exact opposite way, and they're like into you know Nico Marble Index or, or someone like Scott Walker whose melodies are so confusing, oh, yeah. but he's brilliant. And I, it took me years to understand, like obviously Walker brothers, like in the sixties, I get that. Cause that's more straightforward, but yeah. Yeah. He's just on another level. Can't believe yeah, it. Yeah. I dig him a lot. Yeah. We came through. <laughs> yeah. He's just, we so. came through. I mean, when you can create like a whole entire language or vocabulary as a musical artist it's like kind of wild you know yeah yeah totally um what have you been what has been saving your life musically in saving my these life foreign times my friend what have I been, i've gone to, honestly through so many phases during this mm -hmm. corn this however fucking long it's been mm -hmm. i was li listening to this band from Where the fuck are they from? Amanaz, some, somewhere in Africa. I need to find out. I, where are they from? Oh, fucking hell. I don't know. I can't remember where they're from. Amanaz. But that record, uh, the record is called Africa, and it's great. I was really digging that. It came out in 1975. Oh, I think, oh, they're from Zambia. That's so cool. Yeah, and there's all this African music that's kind of, um, get like from that era that's getting more more uh, profile. I'm, I'm so glad to be hearing it. It's incredible. Yeah, that I was, and then I went through like, always <laughs> kind of going in and out of like 60s and 70s French pop. I'm mm -hmm. always into that. Like what? You know, these Francois Hardy, mm -hmm. Serge. Serge Gainsbourg, Chantal Goya. Although I only start recently started hearing her a bit because I watched uh, Masculine Feminine or ma however you say that in French. Masculine Feminine. Oh, yeah, I watched um, that movie. She's in that. And then... Uh, Babe? Babe, what? Is babe? What's babe? Is she babe? Oh, 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Totally. And then um, I I went through this phase, thanks to Danny Tamborelli. I he Who's was that? recommending the movie Rockers. Oh, that's um, it. we watched that too. Yeah, I love that. He, he, so I watched that. I think I actually watched The Harder They Come first. Then I watched Rockers, mm-hmm. both, you know, Jamaican. It's like Rasta's reggae and guns and stuff. Yeah, we watched Harder They Come as well. Although I don't think I even finished it. No offense. Um, oh, you should go back. No, it was um, cool. It was awesome. And then I watched this movie called Babylon that's set in London. Mm-hmm. And it's like another sort of reggae and crime movie and dug that and so i was like going down just like trying to find really good reggae because reggae to to me is like a minefield oh yeah like in terms of what i like yeah Um, you got you gotta you gotta uh you you gotta go down the right paths you gotta go down like you scratch perry path yeah, yeah, you got to get into that. Max and, Romeo. If you go down the wrong path, Big it youth. can be like two. Yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You. Um. You don't want to go down the path and like, and then it sounds like just kind of like Sunday in the park. Right. Uh, you know, good time yeah. reggae. I don't like like, that. like people's. I like Bob. The Whalers are actually like so amazing, but um, but the Bob Marley that was really the way that Bob Marley primarily let's get together and feel all right or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was presented. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Like Bob Marley is great, of course, but like, I remember being in a, this, this, this restaurant since closed, it's closed before the pandemic in my neighborhood in New York. And they always, played good music it was like a great restaurant and they always played good music and surprising music like you know all kinds of stuff and then they had this kind of other this bar tapas place next door where you could go and get a drink and wait for your table to be ready in the restaurant or and the clientele was very different. Like people who just went to that bar and did never went to the restaurant. Anyway, they always played like kind of lame music in that. And I was just like, I feel like it was very calculated. Like this is a dumber place. And, uh, <laughs> and they were playing like, yeah, they were playing like Bob Marley legend. And I was just like, this is really lazy. Um, yeah, well, Bob Marley legend is, a, is, is, you know, not a very, uh, it's kind of, it's definitely an entry level choice where you're just like, people are going to like this, you know? Yeah. It's like the food equivalent of just melting a bunch of cheese on everything. Whereas like the album that really helped break reggae in the United States, uh, which is, I would say, Harder They Come soundtrack, one of the things that helped break reggae there. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's like, it's yeah, pretty, but, it, but it, it's also kind of like a Carol King tapestry type of album. Like there was a time where that would be what you might've heard all the time, you know? Yeah. In certain health food stores, et cetera. You yeah. Know, yeah. And then, the 90s. but like, I think. R.I.P. Like Toots. What a loss. What a fucking oh, yeah. loss. 
But like when you go, I always think like, well, like restaurants a lot of times, well, they just pay for some music service that like curates playlists for them and just like, they just throw it on thoughtlessly. Yeah. And there was this French restaurant in my neighborhood that I never ate at. I went there for drinks a few times. I was kind of dipping my toes in the water. (laughs) <laughs> trying to i just would go to the bar and they always had like attractive uh waitresses and things and i was just kind of like deciding like was this a place i want to hang out in so i went like three times for drinks and every time john mayer came on <laughs> and i thought if this is what's going on on the sound system, what's going on in the kitchen? <laughs> you know, like I was like, if, if this is this, you know, you're obviously not putting a lot of thought into your business. Right. So I, n- I never went back. Cause I was just like, I can't wow. trust these people. That's instinct, man. I like that type yeah. of thinking. I, I, I don't hop to that. They're playing that in there. I'd be like, well, I'm sure the food will be better than the music. <laughs> no, no. Like I, uh, same thing. I went somewhere for brunch once and they were playing like, uh, you know, R.E.S. Respect by Aretha Franklin, oh, yeah. which of course, legend. Followed Amazing. up with I Feel Good. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. like, really? You're just going to go with the most obvious, Soulmate. obvious song. Yeah, like we, try we, harder. It, like in the 80s, all of those songs had some kind of a, you know, horrible record company licensing them to like anybody and so we were hearing commercials with respect and uh i feel good soul man you know it's like stand by me these were songs that we were hearing over and over and over again and i i wonder if they had that same overplayed vibe to say a billy eilish who might hear it and never have heard it before billy maybe billy yeah, A-list I don't know. these days she's an a-lister I don't I don't think I know her music if I would hear it. I've got a Google Home, which sounded weird. It sounded like I was saying I've got to go, but it's I, I was saying I've got a Google Home. But no, mm-hmm. I've got one of these Google things and you talk to Spotify and you get it there. And man, it's so frustrating. First of all, you ask for a rap song, they play the edited version nine nine out of ten times. Uh and then it's just like they go from no matter what you could pick the most obscure song if it's by from an era or by the artist like I'm like okay can I hear Nas understanding which is like a fucking demo cut from like 1991 it's like yes and then if it's always followed invariably by if I ruled the world or <laughs> you know like his his big hit with Lauren Hill and it's oh just, yeah it's just why do they do this to us you know play but then on the other hand i'll have some times with spotify where i'm just like god this is like too obscure like you're too good you know yes i mean yeah i mean on the one hand i was about to say like oh well don't let uh algorithms or things like that decide what you're listening to but i will say spotify uh I have stumbled upon some cool stuff. Oh, same. Spotify um, and YouTube have given me some really interesting music. If I start by picking, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you pick things and that, then they're like, oh. But, it, you know, they've refined it. I remember like however many years ago, I did some, uh, Spotify had me host a thing. Nice. 
at South by Southwest. And I oh, remember talking to one of these du- dudes at Spud. Great fest. And at the time, their algorithm was horrible. Like, because it would like just tell you like, oh, you like this? Uh, here's a completely shitty band yeah. that has nothing to do with that. And I complained to him. I said, get your fucking shit together, dude. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, we need to figure it out. And then they did. And then they did. And here we are. It's the perfect time for it. They they gave it to us just when we needed it most. Um, I will true. say reggae-wise, uh, first of all, Catch a Fire by Bob Marley. That's the shit I like. And uh, that's like suffering music, a lot of it, you know. Oh, yeah. That's what you want. Is this, you want suffering. You want murder. You want uh, someone's out to get you. And just, you just want, you just want, yeah, that sort of, uh, you don't want good time reggae. Well, I, here and there, you know. A little like, bit, maybe like a palate cleanser. Some, but. some of the stuff that is from the 60s that like is really influenced by uh, almost bubblegum. That stuff's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. like the Trojan Records stuff yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm really into that. But that but, to me, I, I feel like really... Everything before you start to get into roots reggae, like you, there's endless treasures. And then when you get into roots reggae, suddenly, then it's just, then it's, it gets, then yeah. it's, that's when the minefield begins. But another song I really want to recommend, I think this is who it was, is it Senior Soul? Is it Because I'm Black? There's some reggae covers of Is It Become a, Because I'm Black that are just like, oh, so good, so soulful. In fact, reggae has that power where it's like, it outsoles soul music somehow. I can't even explain how it is. It just like really transcends. And then of course, Barrington Levy, broader than Broadway, getting a little bit into the dance hall, 80s dance hall is Oh, I need incredible. to check that out. I don't think I know that. Maybe yeah. my ears would know it. But uh, just to, just to wrap, wrap things up, I, I know that you're, you're doing a uh, little bit of a writer's course, aren't you? Pretty soon. Oh, I am. Yeah. Uh, December 5th, I'm doing an online Zoom course, uh, like an introductory comedy humor writing thing. And I always, I'm I'm excited to do it. I'm always feel a bit insecure, like to be like, I will teach you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I think what I have to offer is that, um, I've not been massively successful in any one area of comedy writing or performing. <laughs> I like but I've had, I like this had, as a starter. <laughs> but I have had success and some success in many areas. Yeah. So like I'm not a massive author, but I've written three books and will probably write more. And uh so I I I present myself as and an you've example. You've toured the world doing stand up. Yeah, I pre- the world doing music. Yeah, I present myself as an example of how you can uh, have a nice career without being a massive household name. I don't think we need any more massive household names. It's no, over. I feel the same way. I had a showbiz phone call today, and I, it left me going like, "Oh, I just want to go paint something in the basement after that." Yeah, what are people saying? Like. What, like, like they're like, oh yeah, we can, we can probably get you to Zoom with uh, Gad. We can probably, yeah, get yeah, Sons of Elvis reunion with Gad. That's, yeah, that's I, I hate all. I don't like show business. I don't like uh, any of that. 
The dog's barking. Lucy's sweet barking. Lou, yeah. Something's something's going on downstairs. Great dog. But he's a uh, sweet sweetie. As as a as a little uh, what would you call it morsel? Can you talk about some process stuff that's helped you in in these pursuits? And well, let's just start with that. I'm not going to try to one thing. Yeah. Well, I always think everything for me is that I have to be having fun and entertaining myself and like kind of uh, be a hero to your 15 year old self. I always think is like, just do, don't really think of any audience other than you and your inner idiot. And uh, please, those are the only people you have to please is uh yourself and then another version of yourself yeah and uh because anything i've ever had success with has come from that place i've never once been like i'm gonna do something that people are gonna love yeah i'm sure there are people that are amazing at that you know people who create long-running sitcoms and stuff are probably really good at that Right, um, like a very mechanized, uh, yeah, like, like almost an engineer's mindset. Yeah, to be like, here you go. I'm gonna two and F men go for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a gift, also, obviously, and one that pays better. Yeah. Um, Who but knew being I, a lorry driver. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, Chuck I don't Lurie know. Created the show. Oh yeah, I just couldn't think of his name. But uh, to be fair, I'm sure he does, can't think of my name either. I mean, he has a um, murderer's name. He does. No. Um, but yeah, that's something. And then another thing, when I was first getting into writing, I would just try to fill a page in Word every day about literally anything. And that enabled me to not ever have writer's block, really. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, I, you know, for me, it's just like being here, I'm trying to restructure or just make sure I have some more structure to my time. And it's been mm-hmm. challenging. I was just talking to my friend, Lizzie Cooperman. I had her on the podcast yesterday and she was talking about doing the artist's way for years and not like fancy schmancy the artist's way, but just writing like three pages like every day. Yeah. And, you know, this is something I aim By hand. You're right. I actually was going to write her today and say, by hand, are you doing it by hand? Because I don't want to do it by hand, man. Let's I think the so artist's way tells you to do it by hand, but doing that by hand would pretty much be like one page typed, single spaced. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. I'll it's the same that. thing, basically. But I think. I, I could I, be wrong. I guess like for me, the challenge is between like falling off the horse and, you know, not doing, let's say it's meditation. Let's say it's writing a page a day or getting up early to get your work done. Um, and getting back to it, you know, and saying, that's okay. Let's just try again. You know, that's the disconnect that for me is the most challenging, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And um, do you have any tips for that? Cause your students might. My dad's. Well, I don't want to give all the trade secrets away. You give, know, give me a word. I don't know if I tip. am. I don't give know me, if this is. Me. Oh, one tip that I found very helpful 
a couple of them is um uh, uh these are both very name droppy stories but my friend malcolm gladwell canadian mm-hmm. uh i you know when i was writing my first book i would always see him in the coffee shops we live right by each other so i would assume i was like Humble well he's a yeah he's a massive best-selling author so maybe he he must write like all day long and so uh so i said what do you do just fucking write like 12 hours a day and he said no i only write two hours a day i was like really i'm like what do you do the rest of the day and he's like i go grab a hot chocolate i do some research i go for a walk Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. And I thought, like, if that guy is only writing two hours a day, then I don't have to write more than two hours a day. <laughs> I <laughs> so mean, we I have about started... two good hours per day as people. Well, well, yeah, I think. And so when I'm really right, working on something like a book or whatever, uh, I write you know, you have two hours with no phone, no internet, no distractions of any sort. And in those two hours, you'll get way more done than you'll get. um, If you're like, I'm going to write my balls off today. And then you're on Facebook and then you're checking your email and you're on your phone and this and that. So that was really helpful. The other name dropping story is my friend, Dick Cavett, whose birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Dick. Uh, He, I think it was him that told me this said like, um, right. You write and you stop at exactly 1500 words. He had heard this from someone else, I think. And you stop at exactly 1500 words because when you stop at 1500, when you stop at exactly 1500 words, you're almost invariably going to be ending in mid sentence. Right. So you're kind of like freezing the ball in midair and then you get back to it the next day and you're basically it's just waiting for you i've done that kind of thing before and it is really cool yeah so i do i do that as well sometimes something like that oh my god these are huge you just gave away some real real gems there real gems can you can the audience even imagine what that's the course is going to be like what day the is course it? Is, the course is me. Just, it's, it's sold out already. Shit. Sold out. But I'll probably, maybe, you know, if they'll let me, I'll do another one. Guess um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm finding these things out, but you don't need the course. <laughs> You're sure, a professional. At times. Um, so, yeah, it's December 5th. Imposters Theater. Keep an eye out for Dave Hill, rising comedian, rising artist, rising, rising. Locker, painted doll, how to draw fire. Valley Lodge put out a record not long ago, didn't didn't you? Or a couple years ago. What's Probably that one called? That's called uh, Fog Machine. Dave Hill doesn't live here anymore. I remember you were That's like, the second you book? my second book? And I was like, I didn't actually. Oh, it tapers off fast. And then you were telling me about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first book, everyone, super supportive. Second book, eh, pretty supportive. Third book, 
I don't think anyone in my family has read my most recent book, Parking the Moose. I don't I've, think they have. I've read it, but I'm in it. But I was going to say. Yeah, you lived it. You were telling me uh, about that, or you asked me about that, and I was, was very sad to say I, I hadn't read it. And then I stayed in New York when we saw each other uh, in New York at the end of last year. And lo and behold, your book was at the house that I was staying at. And randomly. So I read a good amount of it, and I fucking loved it, man, because... Oh, thanks, bro. It's because you're uh, mentioned in it a lot. <laughs> no, this was not Parking the Moose. This was the second book. Dave Hill does not appear oh. anymore. And I did not get to finish it because we left before I could and I couldn't take it with me. I think it might have even been signed or something. Ooh. And uh, I just thought, you know, like you're getting into your emotions. You're able to kind of distill some of your thoughts. It feels like it's in real time emotional. Re- realizations but um with perspective input on the page and i just was like wow and and funny so i just was oh, thank uh, you. really into the uh, i suppose it's kind of an essay book with an overarching theme right yeah i think that's accurate thank and, you and um yeah i just really enjoyed it and thank uh, you can't wait to finish it so all the listeners it's waiting for you whenever you get back to that apartment my good friend Dave Hill, we've been offered to stay there this year. I'm not sure if we're gonna take Oh, that. maybe next year. Maybe next year. I but, got him uh, next year. Dave, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nick Flanagan. Always a treat. Always likewise. I'm a big fan of yours, both both the comedian and musician and person and human being. Likewise. Likewise for real. Thank you. Hey, that was Dave Hill. My talk with Dave. Real fun, real nice. Look, do I know uh, whether I'm having a nice chat with a friend that's being recorded or if we're doing sort of a Frost Nixon gripping thing? I don't, but I'm pretty sure that, that this was an enjoyable time and I hope you felt that as well. I had a great time with Dave. Support uh, Painted Doll, his band, by picking up how to Draw Fire, their newest album. Um, anywhere albums can be picked up. Curbside Drop-Off or Spotify, you know, all the usual things. Bandcamp? I don't know if they're on Bandcamp, but just Google Painted Doll, you'll find something. And uh, his books, Parking the Moose, Dave Hill Doesn't Live Here Anymore, and Tasteful Nudes are uh, all really nice as I mentioned in, in our talk. And uh, he's got a stand-up album. He's got all kinds of stuff. And Dave, I salute you. And listeners, I salute you. And um, just be okay, all right? Things are not going to be like this insanity forever. There'll be different type of insanity, but not as bad, not as stressful. Keep cool. Wear a hat. Let's do this. Thanks. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.